Hello everyone and welcome to Facebook and podcast as we get ready to start lesson three on Ephesians. We're in chapter four and we're looking forward to sharing it with you today. Um, uh, so we want to welcome all of our podcast friends and all of our um, Facebook friends, Lift Him Higher Radio, MikeSpringstonMinistry.com. Uh, you're on YouTube. And so uh, today we're going to look into how Paul set up the ministry. It's going to be very interesting. It comes from chapter 4. Father, we pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us, and then that you will uh, let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Do it now. Speak to us by the Holy Spirit. Let us know what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We'll receive it, and we'll release it to your people with great joy and glad tidings, because we know that you are Lord. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man, and the Godhead. Amen and amen. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation of which you are called. Walk worthy of the vocation of which you are called. In other words, in the areas where you have been placed or called, you must walk worthy. You must be in the spiritual frame that is worthy to produce and possess exactly where you have been called to operate. If you are unworthy to be there, if you're living unworthily, if you're acting unworthily, if you're thinking unworthily, if you have not brought your uh, soul under the blood, the mind, will, and emotions under the blood, and you have not crucified your flesh to the point that you are out of control, then, my friend, you are not walking worthily of the power and the anointing that is um, tied to and applied to your vocation. Then it's, Paul says, do so with all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. He says, walk with a lowly and a humble state. Be meek or be quiet and be gentle. Be easily imposed and submissive. Be long-suffering having or showing patience in spite of troubles, especially those that are coming to you from other people. Forbearing one another in love, be patient, be restrained, and walk in love. Why? Because we're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's the whole nature and the whole purpose of what Paul is saying, he is a prisoner of the Lord. And if he is to walk worthy in that, then he has got to do everything that he can do to keep the peace. That means that the man of God must walk in the Spirit and must deal in the Spirit and must do so with those from the Spirit. He must not be a gossiper. He must not be a gabber. He must not involve and include things going on that where others do not need to be included. 
nor to engage those who otherwise would not be engaged. Paul is saying endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's critical, my friend. He's saying work hard to keep the unity. Work hard to train. Work hard to guide. Work hard to lead. Work hard to show how the Word of God needs to be rightly divided. Work hard to do that. Endeavor to keep unity. Don't let everything that happens just emerge out of the box like someone jumping out of a cake at a birthday party. Paul says that's not the way to function. That's not the way to do things. That's not the way to try to solve any of the things about your vocation in dealing with other people. Paul says that that unity of the faith is done in the bond of peace. Now when the bond of peace is broken, and when the bond of peace is not established, then obviously there are other things that need to be done. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in the hope of your calling. Everything should be done in Christ. If it is done in Christ, this is what's going to happen. You're going to leave your sin at the cross. You're going to die to the flesh. You're going to bear your sin nature. You're going to become the righteousness of God. Now, if you're not doing that, then you cannot maintain the unity of the faith, nor can you appropriately fulfill the vocation to which you were called. So consequently, Paul is saying that we must come in Christ. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do his first three earthly works. Then we're going to cross the bridge of grace, be led by truth as the righteousness of God, and seek those things which are above. That's when we come in to Christ. All must be completed by Jesus Christ in the same fashion of obedience that was the requirement that was necessary for Jesus Christ to finish his earthly work. If we, in our calling, become disobedient, we become arrogant, we become offended, we become angry, we become divisive. Now we've got a real problem because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 that heresies become a problem by those who are accepted in the church. Those who are causing heresy are causing division. Why? Because they are walking in node. They are uh, defiant, offended, angry, disobedient, and these things result equal division. Here it is, folks. It's in God's Word. It's not something I'm making up. When we walk unworthy of the vocation of which we are called, therein we are putting ourselves in a position to be in opposition to being one in Christ. Not what we want to hear, but it's truth nonetheless. All of this that's completed by Jesus Christ as He was obedient was done in Him for you 
as he finished his earthly work. The representation of the Godhead, which is in verse 6, which is our ultimate destination as we journey with Christ through the operations that we seek from the earth and then into those things which are above. Verse 7, grace to complete the portions, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ Jesus. Grace to complete the portions that we see Jesus' journey go through and that is provided to you and me. It's given to everyone to use at the time when it should be applied and in the supply of which it must be supplied. Verse 8, the gifts of course are grace, faith, and those are to be applied and appropriated to the works that are provided us by Him being one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Now wait a minute. Where are we going to acquire all of these things? Where are we going to come into His Lordship, His faith, and His baptism? Where are we going to do that? None of those things are going to happen on the earthy side. They're all going to happen on the things that are above. We're going to be covered and immersed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are going to become one faith by the faith of Jesus Christ. And He is going to become the Lord who gives us the privilege of using His name. Wow. Verse 9. The means for the completion of deliverance that had to happen so that the salvation would have a finished conclusion on the earthy side. Verse 9 says, Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? The completion of the deliverance had to happen so that salvation had a finished conclusion on the earthy side. What happened? We became the righteousness of God. Most people are missing this truth. Verse 10, as we know, we went into the heavens. He went into the heavens and he executed spiritual actions on our behalf. According to Paul, we are to seek those things that are completed above where he sits on the right hand of God. Now then the ministry begins to unfold. The results of him being located as Lord in faith and in baptism, and that baptism not only by the blood, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That baptism is what is given to men so that these men could come into ministerial operations. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All of that is done on the heavenly side. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. We come into that by faith, we come into that by faith, and now we are operating in one faith. Then we operate in Him as one Lord. Then we operate in Him through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These are given to men for ministerial operation. Not everyone would be everything. So, to some, there is a ministry that differs from others. It is strange that we do not see this as the list of the ministry and 
that there are things that we are calling ministries that are not listed here. Verse 12, these will be charged with maturing the saints. This is of critical import. They are matured, they are operated in, in some form of ministry. That ministry will instruct and improve the church intellectually. In other words, it will minister to them so that they think correctly. These ministries are designed to build unity by producing faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is the direction that pursues maturity. When we do, when we mature, we're going to come into the portion that is equal to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, it is obvious that not everybody is mature. Not even everybody is maturing. That's obvious. Why? Because we don't teach it. We don't preach it. We're not bringing people out of the earthy into the spiritual. So, Paul says in verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive you. So childish ways must be eliminated. Doctrinal misrepresentations and misunderstandings must be eliminated. Listening to men who operate in the sleight of hand, who operate in suggestion ministries of response, physical and visible responses are not to cause us to be carried away. They represent a cunning craft, craftiness in their way of operation that is meant and bent to deceive even the very elect. Even those who have gone in to the spirit realm can be deceived. Paul's going to show you. Verse 15, speak truth and do so in love. Tell the truth. Do it in love, but tell the truth. Then we will grow up to him in all things and from telling the truth in love, we will find the head, even Christ. Now here's the secret. Paul says in verse 16, find where your fit is. Make the body be blessed by completing your portion by improving the intellectual abilities of the church in love. Make the body be blessed. Let me say that again. Make the body be blessed. Here's how he put it. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Now we've got a lot of things happening in this world today with our church and with church leadership. If we said that a church leader was known to be operating in pedophilia or grooming, there would be outrage. And from that outrage, everybody would expect that that leader would have to face discipline. If he were operating in abnormal attraction between men and women, if he was operating in gender identity that was opposite from the gender of which he is living or was born, everybody would say, well, we need to, we, that, that has to be dealt with. That has to be worked through. And he, from a leadership capacity, cannot function there 
under that condition. And we would gain consensus on that. Of course, we would not want that to be teaching our men, women, boys, girls, or anybody else for that matter. Paul says, walk worthy of the vocation to which you're called. He says, find your place and fit in, do your portion to bless and improve the church and do it in love. But the first thing is not for you to fit in. It is for you to walk worthy. Walk worthy. Be worthy of your position. Then he goes to verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not after the Gentile walk in the vanity of your mind. Don't walk in the vanity of your mind. Don't put yourself in position where, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay because I'm better than that. I, I, know, I know what's in me. I'm better than that. I'm bigger than that. Oh, now, this isn't a real problem for me. Don't walk in the vanity of your mind. Don't live in excessive pride. And don't admire yourself for how you appear or what it looks like your particular job or position is doing. Preachers are doing that all over the world. They're living in overt sin. I had someone call me the other day and tell me of an encounter with a preacher of a large church. During that encounter, that individual asked the person on the phone for favors. Well, what were they doing? They were living in the vanity of their mind. I'm over here. No one sees me. I'm not standing in front of anyone. No one is hearing or seeing what's going on, just me and her. And if she says, then I'll call her a lie. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening in our church world today. We're grooming people in the back doors of churches, in the parsonages of churches, in the alleyways. We're grooming people. We don't even realize it because we say, well, now, uh, it's not so bad. I'm, look, I'm still able to stand up and preach. I'm still able to give the word of God. It's not, it must not be bad in God's eyes because God would surely deal with me if what I was doing was wrong. Well, God has dealt with you. He's dealt with you through his word. The, the problem is, is that either nobody on the earthy side knows about it or nobody on the earthy side is willing to take control of the situation and use the word of God to um, deal with it and help you deal with it. Don't walk in the vanity of your mind, my friends. Don't walk in the vanity of your mind. Don't use excessive pride. And then last of all, don't make man your enemy. Don't look at man and say, geez, you're my problem, because that's not so. Don't look at those that would come and say, brother, we need to have a sit down. Sister, we need to have a sit down. And say, if they're my problem. If it weren't for them, then I'd be all right, because that's not true. This is not anything more than spiritual warfare. And we're going to have to cast down vain imaginations to get it done. Verse 18, 
Here's what's happening whenever you're walking in the vanity of your mind using excessive pride saying, that's not me. I'm not going there. I'm not listening to that. Don't discipline me. Don't try to control me. Don't try to guide me. Don't try to lead me. Having their understanding darkened because they are being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Whenever you do things that are in blatant disregard for a God that must be dealt with in reverential fear and in awe, when you do that, you are not understanding that you are working more closely to darkness than you are to light. And darkness is the driving force that is forcing you to operate in the spirit of which you're operating. You're alienating yourself from the very life of God. You are alienating yourself from the very life. This is pure ignorance, my friend. Why? Because when you're doing these things, when you're denying, when you are uh, disobedient, when you are offended, when you are angry, when you are uh, walking divisively, in heresy? Well, you're exposing the blindness of your heart. The very blindness of your heart, friend. You are exposing just how earthy you are. What a sad place. Verse 19 says you're no longer living in any feelings that are affected by grace, faith, or the riches of glory who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. Now, you're living in the acts and thoughts that do not reflect Christ. You are working in the unclean works of the enemy. And at the baseline root of all that you've done to disrespect Work against your own calling. All that you've done has been done by some form of greed. It's called the disease of me, mine, mine. I, 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 I. I should be. If it weren't for, I would be. Hmm. Uncleanness, my friend. These are the same ones that Paul has placed all of these wonderful, spiritual drops of his revelation upon. Think about that now. The people he's saying this to are the same ones that he said were chosen, full of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, given a great vision, brought out by the power of the Holy Ghost, saved and made alive by Jesus Christ. Grace has been infused into you and I'm praying His richest glory upon you so that out of you could come more than you've ever thought could be. But the problem is now you're not walking worthy of where He has set you to be. You're not walking in that spiritual revelation. You're walking in the spiritual revelation of the children of wrath. Think about that. You're walking in the spiritual revelation that Paul identified in Ephesians 2 that said was your old conversation 
and your old nature. Here you are now, plainly defined, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness and, greed, and greediness. Well, he's prayed for them, and he's taught them, and he showed them ministry, and he showed them steps to ministry. Most of all, he's taught them Christ. But in them can still reside, even still with all of this teaching and ministry, a pride that raises up in them. The uprising of spirits that are disobedient, offended, angry, defiant, and that cause division. But ye have not so learned Christ. Now, I want to ask you, the listener, you've been through the book of Ephesians now with me through four chapters and going into 21 verses. Have you learned Christ from Paul that way? Have you learned Christ from Paul that way? Well, the answer is unequivocally without question, no, I didn't learn Christ that way. I don't see Paul preaching Christ that way. I don't see Paul telling people get in the flesh and operate out of the flesh. I don't see that. I, don't, I just don't hear it. I'm not, I, I don't understand it. Paul is not teaching you to live in the ignorance of a blinded heart. No, he's not. He's saying you have not so learned Christ. Listen to what he says. You've been taught the truth. That truth is in Jesus Christ, verse 21. Verse 22, he says, get rid of that old way of conversation and thinking of which I told you to remember and be aware of it and take care of it and keep it in the correct place way back in chapter 2. Get rid of it. It's corrupt. It's done according to the deceitfulness of your own pride and your own lust. Then he says in verse 23, be renewed in your mind. That's where it needs to happen. How do you do so? You do it by the Spirit. Paul says in verse 24, put on the new man now. Because I've taught you the new man. I've taught you every great thing that could be given to you by God through the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. In chapter 4, I'm saying to you, start all over again. You'll have to go back. If you have fallen into the ignorance, you will have to go back to the way of which righteousness and holiness is brought forward to you. You're going to have to journey with Christ again on the earthy side. Someone would say, well, I don't see why I have to do that. Well, my friend, you've got to go back and eliminate the ignorance and the darkness. You've got to go back to the cross. Well, I've been serving God too long to go all the way back there and try to start over. Then you're going to continue to live in the greed and the pride and the uncleanness and the result is going to be that you will stunt your own growth and the devil is going to take you and he's going to try to strangle you and he's going to try to strangle everything you put your hand upon. Now there's too much at stake in your life not, not to put on the new man and do everything and anything it takes to make sure that you have been created in righteousness 
and coming out of that, living in true holiness. Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying, don't be a liar, tell the truth. Don't make up stories. Don't fabricate circumstances until it looks like you're right and someone else is wrong. Don't tell it in such a way that it implicates that another individual has done something to you because that would be a lie. No, he says, speak the truth. Tell the truth. For we are members one to another. Now why would someone, why would my wife want to hurt me with a lie? Why would someone that I was friends with want to hurt me with a lie? Only one reason. Because by their lying, it protects them. They have more pride about their desire to be right than they have a spiritual understanding about how to be taught. So Paul says, don't be telling lies. Don't lie on each other. You're members one of another. What are we members of Christ? Why would one member of the body of Christ desire to hurt another? Unless the members of Christ are not really in Christ and they're as lost and living as close to darkness as they could possibly get. Paul says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Now think about that. Who has wrath? Paul said in Ephesians 2, wrath was the regard of the children who were the children of wrath who were related to the prince of the power of the air. So do not execute works of the flesh and do not do things that are identified as being done by the children of wrath. Then in verse 7, he gets very personal. After all he has told them about what God was doing for them, who they were, how they were going to live, I'm closing today with this verse. He says, neither give place to the devil. But we're full of the Holy Ghost. Neither give place to the devil. But we speak in tongues. Neither give place to the devil. But we go to church. Neither give place to the devil. But we pray. Neither give place to the devil. My friend, the devil does not care about your prayer life. The devil does not care about your being full of the Holy Ghost. The devil cares about your opening a window of opportunity into your mind. Whenever the window of opportunity is opened into your mind, he has four structures, Paul said in Ephesians 6, to attack your mind. So, Paul says you better be on guards. Don't give place to any of the types of behaviors that I've spoken of. Now, you can go back and read them. They're right there in, in, in chapter 4. You can, and he goes on to tell us more as we move forward in chapter 4. What is he saying in chapter 4? That the workman, the soldier, who is going to walk worthy of his calling, is not going to entangle himself with the affairs of this life. So as I close today, I have to ask you, what about the affairs of this life are you entangling yourself with? Are they mental? Are they emotional? Are they of your will? Are they of your actions and behaviors? What are you entangling yourself with? 
while being called into a position and being set in a job, whatever it is you're in, in the church. What is it? There's a list here that Paul is giving, and Paul has said those things are ignorant. Paul has said those things are unclean, and the root of them is greed. Paul has said that a man in Christ who's walking in righteousness should not, cannot, and will not operate there because they will not give place to the devil. They will rebuke the devil, and they will reprove the devil, and they will judge the devil by the Holy Spirit. But when we fail to do that, then we open the door to the devil. He comes in, and what does he do? He begins to make inroads into your mind, and now you begin to think things. And all of a sudden, you begin to think that people are your problem. People are your problem. My boss is my problem. My Sunday school teacher is my problem. She just stopped talking about sin. My wife is my problem. My husband is my problem. My pastor is my problem. No, 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 no. Those folks aren't your problem. Your problem is you open your mind to the devil. And when the devil came in, he began to boggle your thought process. And the next thing you know, you walk right square into the bondage of pride, the bondage of lust, the bondage of uncleanness. And the only thing you can do from the earthy side is to begin to put your finger on another earthy thing because your spiritual thing has stopped working. Oh, you didn't want it to. You didn't, you didn't expect it to. You didn't think it to, but you didn't know any better because you wouldn't be taught. So now the earthy thing becomes your problem. My friend, don't give place to the devil. Father, I pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says. And then, Father, may we be changed. May we be changed. We'll ask every bit of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. God bless you, my Facebook friends. I saw Charles and Becky on here and I don't know how many others will be listening. I'll talk to you tonight at 645 in Bible study. God bless you. Podcast friends, find him as Lord. There you'll find the privilege to use his name. Find him as the man in the Godhead bodily, and there you'll find him as the man who'll show you great and mighty things to come. God bless you. Till we speak again.